Welcome to Unity Now, the podcast where we discuss unity in the face of division. Inspired by the Unity 2020 plan, we strive to unite Americans by highlighting the middle ground between the two dominant parties and promoting the individual over groups. Each episode, we will bring you exciting, well-informed guests and host nuanced conversations about politically charged subjects. Our goal is to bring an end to the ideological war threatening the collective well-being of this great country. Welcome back to the Unity Now podcast. I'm your host today, Toby Davis, and today we have a very special guest, former teammate of ours in the Unity Now group and also the Unity 2020 movement, our friend, former colleague, and host of the EW podcast, Mr. Eric White. Hello, hey, sir. The, cr- the crowd goes wild. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Toby? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Welcome back, my friend. How's it been going? Yeah. It's been going, man. It has been going. I feel like, uh, you know, I've been really looking forward to hopping on with you today. It's just, I don't know, brings a smile to my face to do this kind of reunion thing. And uh, it's been a busy, busy five months since I last saw you guys, for sure. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to do sort of a Where Are They Now series, reach back to some former guests and uh, teammates alike. And uh, so there you go. Where are you now? What's going on? What's what's new yeah. in the world of uh, the EW podcast and Eric White? Yeah, well, maybe I'll start with uh, Eric White and then we can drill down a little uh, finer to the podcast stuff. Sure. But I um, yeah, I've been in the middle of a move. Anyone who may have possibly seen an interview of me before on this show will not recognize my background. And I have very plain white walls right now. It's because we're still in the process of moving into a new place here in Carlsbad. We left downtown um, and came north. So it's been a process for sure. Um, But we're almost done. So that's been a major thing in my life currently since we last talked. And as you know, the reason I left was to uh, assist Greg Ellis on his podcast and pending book release, which came out recently. And those things put together as have made it a, a whirlwind of a five months in addition to my full-time job and doing my podcast. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if I knew that you had to move, um, to help out with that. Certainly knew that was a big unrelated coming up. Unrelated. Oh, unrelated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just happened to time together. Yeah. Mm, I yeah. was going to ask if, uh, you know, we've heard so, so much of people moving, uh, during the pandemic, um, some for political reasons and, uh, mm-hmm. the exodus from California, the exodus from New York, um, everybody going to Texas and Austin, that sort of thing. Uh, any of that come into play for you? So it's funny you should ask. <laughs> um, before, before all of the rioting and the George Floyd uh, death happened last summer, we were actually thinking about going to Portland. That was like, and I, I know you might remember oh, wow. we visited, we visited there yeah. while I was volunteering. Um, yeah, that didn't happen, obviously. <laughs> and <laughs> pretty much for those reasons that you mentioned, we were, I mean, we went and visited and it's just, uh, it didn't feel right. You know, it's a very, very beautiful place. We spent a lot of time outdoors, um, but the people we were there with were just, not very optimistic about the vibe there and didn't know how we would, you know, mesh with it. And, um, but the reason we wanted to get out of downtown was, I guess, uh, peripherally, peripherally political. Um, 
it was more so about the homelessness issue mm. and mental health issues down there. Um, you know, I've had a girlfriend for six years now and she was not comfortable to walk outside in the daytime. And that's not, that's not a place you want to be. So. No. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. You had to even be forced to make a decision like that. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm lucky. Uh, we in Indianapolis and in Indiana, we had, um, you know, some protests and some riots and some buildings boarded up, but nothing near like Portland and the ongoing mm -hmm. onslaught that they're uh, enduring. So you find, did you find a, a simpler life there or, a, you know, more free life or whatever you were oh, looking for? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. We feel very at home. It's uh, been great to come to North County. Um, yeah. It's, it's just nice to, have some more quiet you know i i don't even know i don't know if you remember that horn that used to always blare from the passing train outside of our window but <laughs> yes i was telling gabe yes. gabe messaged me the other night to just touch base and uh i was like yeah the horn's been replaced by crickets it's very nice it's very <laughs> nice <laughs> oh wow any uh cicadas did you have to endure that that whole uh, no thing? no no nothing nothing didn't see any of that no yeah, we had uh, we had it pretty bad uh, around this area, and uh, it was a sound. But they weren't kidding when they were was saying how bad it was going to be. Um, it was funny. My wife got a video of them from inside a window. The window was closed, and it was already really loud. And then she opened the window, and it's just like, you know, you had to turn the video down, sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Other than that. Um, it's back to crickets. So yeah, I, I enjoy <laughs> yeah, those. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Much better than city sounds for me, at least I yeah. mean, to each their own, but I prefer I, I'm from, I'm a, as we talked about on my podcast before, I'm from a rural part of Pennsylvania and mm, crickets right. are much more familiar and, uh, comfortable for me than city sounds. Yeah. Good. So, um, Tell us if you want about the experiences with, um, on the Greg Ellis on the, it's the respondent podcast. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so how's that going? Yeah. What's, what's that like? Yeah. So that's actually, it's uh, crazy that this was timed up how it was because, um, the last week I'm still doing, uh, wrapping up a few things this week, but last week was actually my last week helping out with him. I was doing it on a volunteer basis, um, doing all the video editing, uh, for his podcast on YouTube, mm. um, and also doing some social media posting. Um, and then with the book trailer or with the book, I helped him create a trailer, um, that was pretty well received, I think. Um, and helping with the social media posting for that as well. So it's been a, it's been busy, man. I've been putting in, I don't know, something like 20 to 40 hours per week for him on top of my full-time job on top of the move. So it was, uh, if it was a great experience, I learned a ton, but it feels good to just kind of take a break and a step back from, from that kind of stuff for now. Yeah. Very good. That's, uh, gotta be amazing to get into that kind of stuff. You know, I first, I probably, I first heard about him or I think I knew him as an actor, um, mm -hmm. but then was surprised when he ended up um, talking to Brett Weinstein. I think it was one of the campfires, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yeah. And uh, I think I've heard him most on like Clubhouse. Um, yeah. And, you know, talking about like Gen Z wokeness, that sort of thing led to us having that uh, episode with Christopher Wells on the Unity Now. And 
Yeah, so uh, just recently saw him on, I think it was Fox News, maybe, or maybe even MSNBC, something like that. He was uh, describing. I think he was on both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was one of those. He was describing, I think, the uh, the purpose of the book, um, mm -hmm. which I didn't even, I didn't know. You know. I had no idea of any of that he talked about. So that was crazy. So okay, well, yeah, cool. it's uh, it's in a, it's definitely an important message, and um, I think you know. Working with the Unity Now team, it was always great. It never felt like work because the mess, the thing that we were working towards or the the goal that we had aspired to was worthy. And I think you guys obviously still believe in it. You're still doing it. And um, that's what allowed me, I think, to continue working for him in the same capacity, maybe at a faster clip um, than I was doing for Unity Now. But, you know, I think the... The Me Too movement was great and it did a lot of good things. It exposed a lot of people who deserved it, but it, I mean, I don't think there's too many reasonable people who will deny that it became a witch hunt and that there's a lot of systems and institutions in place that don't see fatherhood and masculinity as important. And so, you know, I didn't know much about it before working with him. It wasn't something, a cause that I, was super into, but I've had my own experiences of, you know, feeling as though I'm going to be canceled or what if my past gets drugged, dragged up and I end up having to pay, you know, some fine for, or not a, a, a social fine for something I did, you know, 20 years ago or something. It's like that I can relate to that kind of uh, concern. And so that's where I think I was motivated to, to get on with him. Really? Oh, yeah. so can you talk about that? Whatever that experience is, where you feared being socially canceled or, or. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, um, I mean, we all, I don't think there's anybody who has had a social life that's explored their personal boundaries that hasn't made mistakes in their past. Right. Like we've all aired, we all don't want to be, have to pay for our sins for the rest of our lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of plenty of instances in the past in college, especially where, you know, there's a the things sexual activities partaken of drunk parties is now something that is a very dangerous line to walk. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a bad thing that we're looking at that and being more um, definitive in how we, sp I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we are saying that it is a bad thing now to like that, that and that we need to have consent and that we should, both parties should be able to make their own decisions. But there's times where I don't remember what happened, you know, waking up next to someone, not knowing how you got there, not knowing what happened the night before, you know, never feeling like I had, you know, sexually raped or any, or done anything like that before, but still the, the, where the line is today is much different than where it was when I was in college yeah. and seeing that, seeing that line move and having, you know, I've talked about it before on my podcast. I was going through a really bad depression and anxiety, um, in college. I tried to take my life one time in college and once again after college, um, and you know, when I think about that person, it's much different than the person I am today. And I wouldn't want to have to 
pay for the sins of that person having done the work to outgrow him. Does that make sense? Where it's like, we need to have space for forgiveness for people and give people the opportunity to grow and actualize and become better people. Otherwise we're just going to, we're going to end up shooting everyone in the foot. You know, no one's, no one's innocent in life. No one is free of sin. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's fascinating. I mean, it kind of relates to an experience of mine. Um, it's a little different. Uh, I know I'm a little older than you, so, you know, social media didn't exist back when I was, um, what I call my idiotic stage of life where I was, I was just a moron, you know? Um, and you know, my 14 year olds going through the same thing. He's about to become a full fledged moron, I think. And, uh, (laughs) so, um, but when I, I mean, you know, this, I was full on team Trump, hard right Republican back in, uh, the 2016 election Mm -hmm. and in the days leading up to it. So I recall a time looking back on, um, as you kind of just put it, that person, um, which is a yeah. very different person than I am today. And being fearful that some of the tweets on, you know, on Twitter were, um, did not represent me. Like they were so far detached from who I was now. I didn't want that to endanger the person I was now. And mm-hmm. I was pretty sure my employer at the time um, actually followed me, like their social media account followed me on Twitter. So I went back and deleted a lot of that, you know, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll profess to that. So, yeah, I've yeah, been there, man. I've, I've been there like Googling, how do I delete all of my tweets <laughs> or, or something <laughs> like that? You know, and it's crazy that that's true. I mean, like in your case, it, it should be celebrated. That should be something we celebrate. We look at someone and be like, wow, look at how much this person has changed. They used yeah. to do all these things and they've clearly become a better person. It's like we should be celebrating that and holding that up and being like, you don't have to be who you were. You don't have to be, you don't, just because you made a mistake yesterday, it doesn't mean you have to keep making it. You can grow and become a better person. And I think that that, that not allowing people that space to grow creates so much anxiety. I mean, I can talk from my own experience and you know, you just now with your employer following you, ha- carrying that weight and being fearful that you're going to have to pay a penalty for your growth, it makes you not want to talk about it. It makes you want to hide it. And then, and then it doesn't become an example for other people. And then people who are coming up and making mistakes, it's like they don't have something to look to because everyone's hiding their shit. And it's like, well, why are we doing this? We, we should be celebrating a society where people have the space, the will, the ability to get better. I just, I think that's terribly backwards and it's to all of our detriment. Yeah. I think some of it is just our unprecedented access to technology in a way that just never before seen, you know, to where you can, you can just do that, you know, like where was there an age before where you could just like almost like a time machine dip back into somebody's life, you know, 20 years ago and almost see their thoughts, you know? And if you did that with anybody and ever in time, you know, the, there might've been a time back when Hitler was not thinking the way he did to cause the, the Holocaust, you know, and maybe if you yeah, had Twitter back in was, the forties. Yeah. yeah. So if you yeah, had Twitter back was. in the forties and he was tweeting out, you know, <laughs> um, we need to save Germany. You know, that seemed like a, like a, uh, a concept that people could rally behind. 
And because that's really kind of how it started, you know, Germany mm -hmm. was in a desolate place, um, yep. but obviously that it went south. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's the, I think that's that, that kind of case is where the stickiness comes in and something yeah. like the me too movement where it, you know, Harvey, did Harvey Weinstein or Weinstein deserve a second chance? Did he deserve to be given the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? show that you're remorseful, let us see that you're willing to grow. Or is it, yeah. you've, you've gone too far, you've done it for too long, you've done it too many repeated times. I mean, that's where it gets sticky is like, I, I believe both things. I believe that he should have been taken down and I believe that we should give people the room to grow. And I'm not 100% sure where that line is, but I think the inability of us to talk about those kinds of things publicly and to have reasonable dialogues and come to some sort of conclusion together where one person is saying he needs to go down. One person is making the argument of no, maybe we should, you know, give him a chance to grow. And, and I don't even know if he's the guy I'm, I'm going to die on the hill for. Like, I don't think, yeah. I don't think I could make a good case for letting him continue. Like it seems pretty cut and dry that he needed to be taken out by the movement, but yeah. You know, there's other less clear cases where it's like, yeah, that person did something egregious and we should call them out for it. But do they need to be destroyed? Do they need to lose everything or do we give them a chance to fix it, to 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 become the person that they probably want to be? You know, people don't generally I don't think people want to keep making the mistakes they've always made. They want to stop. And there's something that is, you know. I don't, I'm not a big fan of saying everyone's traumatized or everyone's carrying around their trauma. Sometimes that's true, but undoubtedly there's reasons why people do things, whether it's they learned improperly from their environment, their parents growing up, or they were, they're acting out based on something that they haven't been able to process, who knows? But I think the point is that we need to come to, we all need to be more compassionate with the person and also ready to discuss the alternatives with people with whom we disagree, which is, you know, what unity now is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's so many angles, a problem like that has, and, you know, obviously with everything, there's so much nuance. So you have the mm -hmm. angle of, well, what are they being accused of and how bad is it? Um, and who gets to make the decision of how bad it is. And then there's the angle of, um, you know, what's the proof? What's the burden of proof to even say they really did what you're saying they did, you know? Um, right. And that's something the, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's sorry to cut you off. I didn't no, know if ahead. I just like ruptured a, a train of thought there, but it, that just re really reminded me of, you know, something I've heard Greg talk a lot about is that once this stuff is brought out, it doesn't matter if there's actually proof, the person's right. already destroyed. Like right. once it's, once it becomes public knowledge, that person, Maybe they get dropped from their network. Maybe they get, you know, lose all their followers. They can't post to YouTube. I don't know, whatever it is. Then we sort through the evidence. It's like we punish first and then we're like, okay, let's look through the evidence. And then there's, if it's, if the evidence was wrong, there's never any like, oh, let's, let's automatically rehabilitate this person. It's just like, oh, move on. Forget it. We already yeah. did it. Next one. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. That's the uh, social media justice right there. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of that, are you on, uh, what is it, GRR, the Trump's new social media web, uh, no. platform? No. Is this the, the thing that's basically a blog, or is it something different? 
It's the new, it's built by his former, uh, ch not chief of staff, but former uh, chief, uh, something that had to do with technology. And so this guy built a, oh, a uh, Republican Twitter, basically. Really? Is yeah. it uh, Sajan, P was it uh, the Indian gentleman, Sajan Pai or the, the, no, move on. Sorry. No, pull it up, <laughs> Jamie. We need Jamie. <laughs> yeah, uh, pull it up. No, Jamie. it was Jason. The guy's first name is Jason. Um, here, I'll, I'll just pull it up. I'll be Jamie. Yeah, pull it up, Toby. Trump's, <laughs> Trump Twitter. Yeah, that's what people are calling it. Let's see. It is um, Trump on social media. Oh, it's um, it's all about Twitter and his. Oh, his uh, fake, fake uh, lawsuit. It's yeah. Yeah, uh, suing all the uh, social media platforms. Uh, here we In go. In the wrong jurisdiction. Did you see? Uh, have you been <laughs> no. watching? Have you been watching Breaking Points at all with uh, Crystal and Sager? I I subscribed instantly. Have not been able to keep up with okay. really anything. Did they cover that? Yeah, they were just talking about how um, in you know, Twitter's terms of service, they say that if you're going to file a lawsuit, you need to do it in some Northern California County, some Northern California County. And then Trump, of course, and his team filed the lawsuit in Florida or something. So it's like, you're not, it's just a show. I don't know. I would recommend watching. watching yeah. That. I'll so catch up on that one. Yeah. Um, so I found it. It's called, uh, I was way off. It was, it's, it's getter G E T T R. It was created by his former spokesman, Jason Miller. Um, uh, yeah, I went ahead and created an account. I was very curious if you could even get it on Google's Play Store, which, you know, soon you probably won't be able to. <laughs> and um, it's almost exactly like Twitter in its concept. You know, you have followers. Um, you can look at a trending page, that sort of stuff. But it's all right-leaning people as far as I've seen so far. It's very interesting. Nice. Yeah. The, yeah, that'll be great. The further carp, carp, <laughs> carp, wow, I can't speak. The further division of our thought and discussion. Right. That's that's yeah. Exactly it's like parlor times two or or part two, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I think a lot of people organized for the January six riots on the Capitol was on on parlor. Yeah. So. So. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Down to explore. <laughs> Not afraid. Yeah, and then learn how to delete your your I don't know what they're called posts or your your giddies or whatever they're called <laughs> your yeah. gitters gitters your geet your geets yeah I think <laughs> when it was trending when he created it the news came out it was a lot of like getter duns you know oh, making course. making fun of the uh, the, Rep the Republican base in the in the Rust Belt you know yeah and of course so can't can't get away with can't do anything without a good old jab a good gotcha told you so or right you know fuck you take it's uh, sick that's, of it that's like the only reason i even have twitter anymore it's it's i just want to keep an eye on what's going on there and i i look at it that way it's like over there in that space where those people congregate let's see what they're up to you know sometimes things get trending that you would think wouldn't be because they kind of push back against the left mm. um but most of the time it's all against the right. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I actually, I, that, that makes me think of a question that I was for you. Let's just turn the tables. Toby, welcome to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> Toby Davis is our guest today. Seth, edit this um, out. 
So what's what are your thoughts on Dave Rubin right now? Are you still, I knew you were a big Dave Rubin fan before. Have you stayed in his camp? What do you think about his uh, continual move to the right? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I was, I don't know if I would ever call myself a big Dave Rubin, Dave Rubin okay. fan. I had appreciated, um, I kind of just stumbled upon him back when I stumbled upon the whole IDW. Uh, I think at one point he had all of that group or most of that group on his show. Um, so I just kind of followed along. I'll watch something he posts every now and then. Yeah, he's, um, it's, I saw somebody complain about him that had a good complaint. It's like, it's always the same thing now. Uh, yeah. That's all he ever talks about is the wokeness and, um, uh, you know, what's going on in schools and, um, you know, he, he'll like almost every video, the, 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 the screenshot, the, uh, the YouTube, um, you know what I'm saying? Oh, cover the, photo, the cover photo, the, cover. the thumbnail. Yeah. yeah is yeah. something like Jen Pulaski or it's, it's Biden in a silly looking photo. Yeah, um, yeah. Did she really just say that? Is this what he really means? Are they lying to you? Um, so I've, I've been increasingly not watching his stuff because it's yeah, becoming it's totally one-sided in a silo of right-leaning stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a bummer to see. I, uh, yeah. I, I kind of like you, I never, I've never became a big Dave Rubin fan, but I definitely considered him to be amongst the people that I had respected in the IDW. And I think, I don't remember what it, what it was that kind of made me be like, Oh, wait a minute. This guy maybe doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's kind of just pandering. Like he's starting to give into this model of, uh, anger almost. Yeah. Like it seems like he's kind of just been captured by the right a little bit. And, um, yeah, it's been a bummer to see, especially cause you know, I think the thing that attracted to me at the beginning was his constant, at least vocal committal to ideas, you know, and to, um, hearing differing viewpoints, but yeah, I was just curious about what you thought about him now, if you were still watching or not, cause it seems like it's, I don't know. The reason I asked was cause on Twitter the other night, I think it was last night I saw him and Eric Weinstein get into something interesting. Yeah. Where, yeah, Dave basically was like, what do you non-woke liberals think about this? And he tweeted about the Biden administration. You don't, do you regret not voting for Trump or something? And then he like tagged Eric and Brett and Sam and everyone. And Eric was just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, we both had a shit choice. You made a shit choice too. I made a shit choice. We all made a shit choice. And I was like, yeah. thank you, Eric. Like that's, that's why I love the Weinsteins is they're just, uh, they get it. Yeah. It's tough. Like, uh, I, I saw something recent. Um, I don't know if you saw this, there's this narrative going around the right where Jim Pulaski news conference said something like the Biden administration was going to have a community outreach program to go, potentially door to door, um, to promote people getting vaccinated. And I first saw it framed like this. Now the Biden administration is going to come to your door to make you get vaccinated. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure Dave Rubin, if he, if, if it wasn't his post that I saw first, it was something like Breitbart or, um, the blaze. And then, then shortly thereafter, I saw one of his clips come out and that was, it was like Jen Pulaski's face again, when a silly pose and, 
um, they're coming, they're coming to your door or something like that, you yeah. know? And if you really actually listen to her, which, you know, you can then argue if you believe her or not, it's not mm -hmm. what she said, right. you know, it's not exactly what she said. So it's the same thing you see, um, against the left from the right, uh, or the, against the right from the left is reframing mm -hmm. words, um, to make them little clips, little sound bites, you know, and make us all react without even reading the yeah, story and just click. It's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a bummer to see that happen. And now, I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk about the IDW all day necessarily, but I think that's, you know, that's part of the reason we're here in the first place is because of their work and, you know, specifically probably Joe Rogan and Brett at least are probably the reasons that were directly here yeah. know, out of that group. Um, but it's been it seeing that whole thing just dissolve and everyone kind of turn on each other in ways it's been like watching the country fall apart in a microcosm, but like fast forwarded, you know, in, in high speed where it's just like, everything was cool three years ago and now Trump's running for reelection and it's all, it's all done. <laughs> it's yeah. just been such a bummer that they weren't able to withstand that internally. And I mean, there was no internal structure. It's not like they were all, you know, relying on each other for their growth or their platforms, but yeah. you would expect a different outcome. I think if I was betting four years ago, would they still be cool and doing this? I would have said, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like this idea that I heard. Um, I caught a clip of Rogan talking about this today, actually. Um, the, the clip is actually about him uh, meeting Trump at the UFC event. I don't know if you caught that or not. Um, UFC 246, something like that. It was McGregor. This past one? Yeah, Saturday. Oh, and Poirier. And Poirier. Poirier. Yeah. Poirier. So Trump showed up there. I don't know if you, did you hear about that? No. So crowd went nuts, and he ended up um, like slapping Rogan on the back and saying hi to him. And so the first time, <laughs> you know, there was supposedly going to be uh, Rogan shows with Trump, but the first time they actually met. Um, but the, in the clip, in the lead up to him saying that to his guest, he actually talked about this idea that I've been, I've had this theory about a little bit and it relates to the IDW and why they don't group up as a true like group. It's because mm -hmm. I think this idea of political homelessness, 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 <laughs> being politically homeless, I don't think, um, is really a thing. I don't think, I think like you and I and the unity folks, are individuals first and foremost. And we've, we've evolved out of our shell in our echo chamber of right or left or wherever. And now we see things as individuals. And I think that's how you characterize the IDW and individuals by nature are not going to naturally group with each other. They're not going to form a group just be out of their ideas because they are completely open-minded and they look at things individually. And I think that's why you can't, when I mean, you get those where they now IDW videos, that sort of stuff, that's why they never ended up really sticking together. I mean, you know, Dave Rubin, he is what he is, but he's also by himself, you know, he hasn't mm -hmm. formed a team with any group and um, been only on Rogan shows or only on the, with the Weinsteins or only with Jordan Peterson, that sort of thing. And that's, I think that's, I don't believe in this idea of being politically homeless. I think what that is is actually this idea of uh, becoming an individual finally and seeing things for yourself 
And everybody should be like that. There should not be parties really at all. And politically homeless is actually where everyone should be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would maybe add uh, a point, not a, a counterpoint, but maybe an additional point of, you know, maybe the politically homeless identifier becomes your group, but the politically homeless thing by its nature, you know, you're politically homeless because you didn't identify with these two groups. And so now that becomes part of your thing where it's like, I don't identify with groups. So that makes you perceive being part of a group as potentially capturing or dangerous or whatever. So, you know, you adopt this politically homeless sort of group or politically homeless label that then leads you to not be a group member right i don't know it's just a random yeah it's i think it's it's like something like it's a construct of this environment we're in where most people are not homeless they have a home Mm. so if i think that's the problem it's a language built solely to interpret why somebody doesn't say right out right off the bat you know i'm a republican or I'm a Democrat, or I lean this way or that way. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, you're right. It's like a language built to define this, the anomaly that we, you know, right. cannot Within be defined. The, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Like it's, like it's a, only makes sense in the context of the two parties, right? Like you right. can't just be po- politically homeless if there's not already two groups. Right. Then you would just be what, apolitical or, or political? I don't know. I don't know. But. You'd be Eric. Or COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And then depending on what we're talking about, you know, you might, I, I believe in the deeper idea of left versus right, um, historically and evolutionarily, like there's, there's a place for that. Um, and left is typically, I would describe it as more, um, more thoughtful of, um, the social construct of things looking out for the little guy, progressing things forward versus stuck in the mud, sort of staying where you are. Whereas right is more conserving things the way they are, being mindful of what's been built and not moving forward as fast mm. and more looking at the power structure and, it, you know, that kind of pull yourself up from your bootstraps yeah. mentality. And that's just, I think that kind of general description, maybe not that one specifically, but I think that's as far as if America had stopped there, you know, and not built these actual parties, then it'd be a different, much different landscape today. Yeah, for sure. Or had parties existing along that whole spectrum yeah. between the two, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we covered everything there. So it's been great show. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. You're welcome, America. You're welcome. Everything's solved. (laughs) Just go back and reframe it. Delete Twitter. So what's been going on in the EW podcast? Um, Speak to anyone interesting lately? Yeah. So, man, there's there's some stuff I would love to get into. Um, I kind of want to give some context about where things have gone just personally and with the podcast. You know, I took some time off. probably about two months from podcasting. Um, this month, 
I started again July 1st. We were moved in um, and have six people, two already two already recorded, four coming up. Um, our mutual friend Janice Hitchcock will be up tonight or tomorrow. Oh, I nice. Believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not She's, sure when this podcast is going to come out, but yeah, that's, there's a fascinating person. Yeah, yeah, she was great. We had a great conversation. Um, I've got um, Benjamin Boyce coming up. Oh, I've very got, nice. Yeah, very stoked on that. Um, Dr. Edward Watts is coming out with another book next month, and he's going to stop by at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got uh, Dr. Stanton Peel, which I'm super stoked about. Who? Wow. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. Yeah. I, I'm especially stoked to talk to him because, and this maybe gets into the context thing of where I've kind of been for the last couple of months. Um, you know, I went, things got a little hairy the last couple of months in life, just with so much going on in life. And we had some, you know, some death in my girlfriend's family on top of the move and just all these things happening. Um, you know, I got pretty, I was like, overdoing it with Adderall for a bit. And so I'm stoked Mm. to, I I was overdoing it with Adderall. um, And then, you know, as I'm like taking Adderall and kind of not feeling super great about it and starting to feel a little guilty about how much I'm using it and like, this isn't good for me. I kind of have like Zach Rhodes and Stan Peel in the back of my mind, like, you know, your, your use is just a product of what's going on in your life. And I'm yeah. like, all right, well, if they're right, then theoretically, whenever I move in and life slows down a bit, it should be no problem to stop. And I don't know. I mean, there's probably so many other factors that went into this, but yeah, I, I haven't, it's been over a month now or so and haven't taken any Adderall. And I'm just interested to see how he talks about that or what he can draw from that i mean he's got his memoir coming out so we'll definitely be focusing on that mostly but um yeah i'm gonna be a little selfish and talk about me for for a second with him yeah oh that's that's fascinating yeah i know um i remember you talking with uh zach rhodes and I, i watched that one before i talked with him and then all of that talking with him seeing him with you yeah i think that was kind of an intuition i always had not saying I'm smart to predict what, you know, what he's saying there, but I, I just had a hard time seeing how you could self-inflict a disease based on how I thought about diseases right. with an external substance coming into your body. It was like, how is that a disease? I thought you catch diseases. I thought you, diseases or diseases are genetic in some ways. Well, yeah, that's, I think that's, I think that's part of the, um, error of the whole disease model. And I I could be speaking out of turn here. I have been like looking into it a little bit, getting ready for Stanton or Dr. Peel, um, later this month. But I, I do believe there was like an assumption before there was knowledge that it was genetic, that it was, you know, your, your daddy was an alcoholic. Your grandfather was an alcoholic. You better watch out. Yeah. You better watch out. Like you're going to be, you, you, you are likely to be an alcoholic, um, without the knowledge or, you know, the, being able to point to the gene specifically like this, this one's the one that does it. Um, it was kind of, it seems to me like it was, uh, an error of assumption on the part of researchers and therapists and maybe scientists to say that, you know, Oh, we know it's genes. Shut up, shut up, Dr. Peel. And it's, it's been interesting to read his, his memoir because 
you know, so far a lot of it reads, and I don't, I guess I don't want to give too much away, but so far a lot of it reads as though it's kind of like um, an, uh, a reflection of his career living on the fringe and talking about fringe ideas, hmm. um, which is exciting. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So in a way there, he plays the part of the heretic in our society. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. And it's... <laughs> I'm just so interested to talk to him because I don't know if you ever watched his show with Zach Rhodes, the Life Process Program. A little um, bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. It's like one of my, one of my go-to's on YouTube. Um, I just love their dynamic where Zach is, he gets a little more philosophical with things, and Stanton is just drawing from his experience and his knowledge and his past research, and it's kind of like this uh, teacher and student dynamic that's going on where they're coming towards the problem from different angles and you know th what they do is they talk for people who are listening and have no idea what we're talking about it's a show with dr stanton peel who is like one of the original guys um that was talking about addiction not being limited to substances you know he came out with a book called love and addiction in like 1975 i think where he was saying that no you can be addicted to a love partner and it's yeah. the same same process that's going on as an addiction to something like heroin yeah. And I was like, chocolate. Were like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's nicotine and caffeine. I, I'm yeah. puffs, man, the, the vapes. I'm just like, I need to give it up. But he yeah. was, he was like way ahead of his time talking about things like that. Like people were basically shunning him. You know, he wasn't able to, to speak at many scientific events about addiction. People, leaders in the addiction field didn't want to hear it. You know, they had committed to the disease model. Um, and so it's him along with Zach Rhodes, who is a former, uh, heroin addict and now is a counselor, author, um, and podcast host. And just, they talk about current events through the lens of the addiction model. Like they did an episode about, um, why am I drawing a blank right now? Oh, uh, Demi Lovato is yeah. it? And her yeah. talk about addiction. They talked yep. about Matthew. I mean, they just, it's really cool to see them use their their framework of addiction to analyze what's going on today in the news. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. And they, I think yeah. they just, I follow uh, Zach on LinkedIn. Also, I see a lot of, at least the episode titles and what they're talking about there. He shares those episodes there. I think they just covered the Olympic athlete that was banned yep. for the uh, Shikari Richardson. Yep. 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 Yeah. I haven't watched that one yet, but that is an interesting thing. What are your, what's your take on, on that? Do you know much about it? I know uh, what I read, you know, when it first, you know, breaking news, you know, Twitter or wherever I saw it. Um, I don't think I need to know much. Um, if we're talking about marijuana use um, for a high performing athlete or let's go down to the legalization, legalize it, leave it alone. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think Zach and the last 10 years have really changed the framework from what, how I see things like this. Um, I grew up thinking, I, I grew up believing in the, the, what was it? The war on drugs. Um, dare. You were a dare, dare kid. Yep. Yep. Me too. So Me too. All drugs My mom are bad. hated. Yeah. Yep. All yep. drugs are bad. Um, all drugs were evil. Um, don't get caught doing drugs. Don't get stuck doing drugs. Don't be a druggie. All those things. And it's just, it's like all framed on this belief of control. Yeah. 
and uh it's it's a shame it's like so many other things it's like how did we let it get this far sort of idea but yeah. um if she can if she, if she can smoke marijuana and then also perform as an olympic athlete then more power to you because i've never seen that actually make somebody run faster like, <laughs> yeah. what, how dumb is that <laughs> yeah i i mean i agree with that um and i can't take ownership for this take on it um i think i first saw it from andrew schultz he was like um saying yes that's true but also you got to know the rules like this is probably your lifelong dream you should probably know the rules and be willing to sacrifice to that's complete true. it and so you know i see it both ways i think yeah they can both be true um but i wanted to go back to what you're saying about um drugs and control and you know all that stuff um i don't know have you ever have you are you familiar with the michael pollan book how to change your mind i think it is uh no yeah so that is a sick book i saw you guys were doing a book club that would be one book that i would i would throw into the mix they might i missed that episode i wasn't on that one the discussion afterwards that may have been one of the books that was thrown out to do next but yeah but go ahead yeah, um, it's uh, it. I'm gonna note that it really resonated with me, um, and I guess I'll just for people who are listening and don't aren't familiar with it. Um, and before I get into why why it resonated personally, is um, he's he starts the book off as a skeptic. You know, Michael Pollan's a, a renowned journalist. I think he did uh, what was the food book? I forget. I forget. There was a really popular food book that he did. Um, but he starts off the book as a skeptic and he doesn't he doesn't necessarily seem to believe the hoo-ha around things like psilocybin and LSD as therapeutic uh, tools. But as he goes through the book and he uses them, I think he uses all of them. He might not use all of them, but he tries some of them. Was and he on Rogan s- recently? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. I saw him. I know what you're saying. Yep. yep. He's awesome. Um, he starts to change his mind and he starts to see the benefit in them. And he starts to see how people can have these almost religious, like religious, like experiences on these drugs that help them, um, come to terms with their past or come to, to terms with death, except for the finality of life. Um, and it, also what's cool in that book, and this isn't what I related to, but he does give a little background. This is why I thought of it. He gives background on how the war on drugs and things like that came to be. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into detail on it because I kind of forgetting. <laughs> Maybe I need to go revisit it. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, that's the, the thing book. is, we, yeah, yeah, we don't even, all of our attitudes and stuff and legal or, or laws are framed from a period in time that we don't even remember. Um, yeah. And we're, we look at these drugs through the lens of like the 1970s or whatever, or, or, or yeah, I guess it was the seventies when things started to become illegal. And it's like, what are we, what are we doing? But personally, the reason the book relates to me is because, you know, I mentioned going through depression and anxiety through college, you know, I thankfully found my current girlfriend who helped me realize that how I was feeling was not right. You know, I was waking up many mornings, very angry, unable to articulate why why I was angry and then just latch on to something silly and get angry about it. Mm. Um, I would 
have a hard, I would, you know, there, there would be late nights where I would start to hear voices, people talking about me. Wow. Um, it was, it got dark, man. Um, and I started going, you know, with her help started going to therapy. Um, and at the same time I was shooting videos for this music festival, desert hearts. And there was this one specific music festival, I think it was 2016 or 17, um, sometime in that mid 2010s range where I had a psilocybin trip and I put mm. my camera down and I enjoyed it and I just felt the music and everyone in sync together, everyone timed up. And in that moment, it was literally like 20 years of therapy in just a second where all of the ways that my mother and I had been interacting for the last decades, like I just suddenly switched and saw it from her perspective and saw the pain that she was going through. And it was just like this overwhelming feeling of just compassion and gratitude washed over me. And I was able to, in that moment, completely like understand and forgive her. And it, that, that was such a huge step in my ability to get over the things that were bothering me, um, that, it is just very encouraging to me to see people, you know, make really putting their lives and all of their weight behind getting this back out to the public in a responsible way. Cause I feel like there's so much, one of the things I, I think drive, you know, the media definitely drives division, but there's just so much like self-loathing and inability to connect and uh, insecurity in the US that I feel like even if the media wasn't playing games with our minds, it would still, we would still feel like we were missing meaning or like we were missing something important. And I don't know, I just feel like having tools that are, you know, used throughout ancient times ritualistically by people's, you know, as far back as we have record is, beneficial you know we should be we should be looking this goes back to the beginning of the conversation we should be looking to help people grow however we can right yeah yeah that's i that's 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 really neat that you had that experience um um maybe someday i'll be as uh, brave to try one of those substances but i'm ingrained you know 20 30 years of the war on drugs um yeah i mean they're not for everyone too i mean but, it's not no but i've i've tried some things and i've uh i've kind of experienced uh went a little too far and some gummies we'll say once <laughs> and um that was wild and yeah but i but i understand what you're saying and it's like so it helped me kind of understand how insignificant a thing like the war on drugs is when i so when i stumbled upon rogan talking to um graham hancock mm -hmm. have you ever seen those episodes oh yeah and he's talking Legendary about episodes. yeah the potential lost civilizations that um, could have been as big and as prevalent as, as we are today, and if it had been wiped out by you know common impacts, well yeah you probably wouldn't have uh, much of a record left of it. And talking about you know the things like ayahuasca mm -hmm. and psilocybin and uh, the DMT and. How even some of it, this was what blew me away. Some of it might actually provide the factual historical context of some of the experiences in the Bible. Yeah. Um, yeah. The burning bush, you know, things like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a part of our civilization as a species 
um, forget about the last 30, 40 years and when yeah. this, with this Western civilization created this, this mindset of the war on drugs, um, if that's your framework, then you have more to learn than you've learned so far by, uh, ex, you know, exponential amount, you know? Yep. Yeah, man, I could not agree more. That's actually something that I, I had this experience the other night, just this, uh, was it? I don't know, within the last seven days where I was like, forget what I was mad about. Oh, I had, I had almost run out of gas in my car. I didn't even realize that my tank was like on empty. It said literally zero miles. And I was Been like, there. fuck. I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. I, I got to find a gas station right now. Yep. So I find one I, uh, Well, I'm driving and I'm just like, oh, I swear if I find a gas station, I'm not just going to put 10 bucks in. I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to just fill this bad boy up, which in California is not necessarily a cheap thing to do. Mm, yeah. um, so I find a gas station and I fill it up like I said I was going to do. And I'm like driving back on the highway. And I was just like overwhelmed with this feeling of like, whoa, dude, you know, 10,000 years ago or whatever, we were just like humans. We're just laying in the dirt probably hungry, probably like worried about the family, but unable to articulate it in any meaningful way. And now I'm driving down the highway. I just filled up my moving horse, my machine horse with <laughs> car, with oil that we dug out from the earth. I'm listening to any song I want to on Spotify. It's like, this is so sick. Like it just switched my mindset, you know, of just being like, okay. Yeah. We've come so far. I live in an awesome time. And this is, there's a lot to be grateful for. Forget the $70 gas, the tank I just filled up. This yeah. is sick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perspective is a powerful thing. Um, yeah. I use that today. So I had a uh, potential new job that I'm working on, my day job. And um, oh, nice. Number six of six interviews today. Uh, for this one position. Yeah. It's wow. been a little, been a little nuts. Damn. Uh, so I'm your seventh interview today. Well, it was, side, no, I mean like side. sixth, um, you know, over like two weeks. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Okay. Which is still a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm driving to that today and I'm super nervous and anxious and I don't know why it made me think of it. I think I was just trying to have a little perspective on, you know, what I was worried about in this moment. And I started to think about, um, I believe her name is Yeonmi Park. Oh yeah, the North the, Korean, the North yeah, Korean yeah, defector. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I still just, haven't listened to that. I've That's just, reason, but. yeah, recently I saw her a little bit on Jordan Peterson and Lex Friedman, and um, I think it was I heard more of her on Lex Friedman. And you get to hear like we all think of North Korea as bad, but to hear her describe it in the detail she goes into. Mm bad doesn't describe it. You have no idea how bad bad is when, until you listen to her, you know, like genocide is happening now. Concentration camps is still happening now in 2021 in North Korea. Um, and she, you know, yeah, definitely listen to that because if you need perspective, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, those people are living in some ways still in what is Nazi Germany as a Jew. I mean, yeah, it's fuck. insane. They yeah, don't know crazy, like man. what we're doing now on a video call, recording this with microphones, talking about whatever we want the, to the, the technology we have. They don't even oh, know this heck, exists. Yeah. They don't know the internet is a thing. 
That's crazy. I mean, man. can you imagine? It's just insane. So yeah, that helped me um, kind of like, all right, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't even need to look 10,000 years in the past to just be, yeah. Be like, Oh, I have it pretty good. And and yeah. that's not to say that everyone in America has it great. And that, uh, you know, we should all just be super stoked about where we are, but I right. mean, maybe, maybe, maybe if you think about how it could be. And I mean, I don't know, man, I just, I feel very strongly that there needs to be more institutions or places where we're instilled with that kind of feeling where we are, you know, that's, that was like the function of church, right. Is to give you a place where you feel your insignificance for a bit, where you feel that you are not the center of the universe and you feel like you are just a, a passenger on this, this ride, you know? And I feel, I don't know, there's just so many things that I wish were different, but I'm also very grateful because things are sick. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say other than I wish that more people would take just a second to understand where we are. Yeah. Yeah. That could go a long way to cure a lot of ill. Um, but you're right. Not to overlook the real ill we do have in this country yeah. and to help yeah. those people and not just put it on a website to say we're going to help those people or a marketing, you know, market that we're going to help those people just to have power. So you're working on the podcast with folks like you just laid out. That's yep. that's some heavy hitters there, my friend. I'm uh, stoked. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. So why why do you do your podcast? What is what is your goal in life with that? That's a great question. This is one that I think about all the time. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Yeah. And the only thing I can come up with is that I like it. <laughs> yeah i like doing it i like talking to people you know the people i would i ever get a chance to talk to dr stanton peel and share my experience with adderall and get his thoughts on it and pick his brain outside of doing this podcast i don't think so like that probably not so just that is sick and i also i want to do it I, I don't know i don't know how to put it into words like if it if it were possible for me to do it for a living, I would 100% do that. Like I think Joe Rogan is the fucking man for how he's carved out a lane for this to be a thing. Yeah. And, you know, I don't aspire. I have, okay, let me rephrase this because there is a weird thing in me that like wants fame. I don't, it's like a, I feel like we all in America kind of have this like ingrained in us at a really deep level that's hard to unravel sometimes. But I feel like a lot, most of us who have grown up watching films and listening to music have this like core in us. That's like, I want to do that. Like I want to be famous and known. And yeah, you know, I think I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I don't have that, but I think it was stronger in me maybe 20 years, 15 years ago or so, 10 years ago. And I think it gets weaker in me all the time. And my reasons for doing things become more pure. Um, but you know, that, that, that there's that part, but I don't, the thing is I recognize that having Joe Rogan's life is not something I would want. I don't want to be someone who is like unable to go to the local bar and have some level of anonymity. You know, I want, there's like, I just want to be in that middle zone of like known and respected, but not known, you know, I don't know. Yeah. 
it's a hard thing to I unravel. think the age you're right I think the age though uh, the the Rogans like he's like so um unique and I don't know if you're gonna see a lot of people like him yeah you know it's like Lex Friedman you know you and I know who he is but could he walk down a street um in an area that you know he's not watched and be right you know not be recognized probably still right yeah yeah and um, another one i think of is coleman hughes sorry to cut you off but sometimes i think of coleman hughes and i'm like he probably can go places yeah and um i was gonna say uh crystal and sauger you know breaking points Ooh, i don't know man i don't know i mean it's it's like but they that's what they believe in they believe in this specialized audience this niche thing where people can carve out these little spaces of their own I guarantee you there's people, there's pockets of the population that have no clue who you're talking about. Maybe the hill, but maybe even not that, you know, I'm still astounded by the things I stumble upon now, even um, with my awakened stage as it is. And I'll, you know, I'll stumble upon somebody new in this kind of space we're all in Mm -hmm. that I've never heard of. And I'm like, how have I not heard of this person? Yeah. So I think you, Maybe you do it for the pursuit of knowledge and learning things that right. are new exactly. and exposing other people to these people as well. Um, but if you're famous and you get maybe one request for an autograph, <laughs> maybe you're okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's definitely a part of it for me too, is, um, you know, I started it off. I started the podcast off. I actually went back and listen to my first episode recently because I'm coming up on episode 50 and I was like, I want to have my first episode back on. And so I went back and listened to that episode. And in the intro, I'm like, this is going to be, you know, really, really nervous. Like this is going to be a podcast about mental health and therapies and stuff. And there you go. I quick, I not quickly, but I eventually realized that doing it with that focus, I was not going to get anywhere because I wasn't that interested in it. I was interested in mental health stories. I'm interested in pioneers who are in mental health and their therapies, but I'm not interested in learning about the newest like use of whatever therapy and how it's the success rates and all this stuff. I, I'm very much not a specialized person and I have broad topics that I like to learn about generally yeah you know and like i think dr Ed, having someone like doc being able to have someone like dr edward watts on to come and talk about ancient rome and then the two days later be talking to dr stanton peel about addiction that's sick to me that's cool yeah. because those are two things that i can get down with and and i see the benefit in amplifying what they have to say you know it's not Yes, I'm pursuing the knowledge for the sake of the knowledge and i want to be more knowledgeable about our world but I think there's like certain things that are worth amplifying and worth trying to get people interested in. And so that's kind of the next stage for me. I'm actually, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but I'm going to be leaving um, my job soon and I'm going to be focusing on these kinds of things more full time. Um, And the plan is to start yeah, I think you saw the outgrowing addiction animation that I did, the yep. short video. So the yep. plan is to start doubling down on that kind of stuff oh, um, wow. and put these ideas into shorter two to four minute videos that can be quickly digested and yeah. maybe more shareable. Because I think that some ideas are so big that like nuclear weapons is one thing I'm super interested in. I'm super interested in that. That's a hard thing to get people interested in. you know. And I think that's using animation skills 
taking someone talking about the, that topic, distilling it down into a fun animation, making it two minutes, and then linking to the full conversation could be a way forward um, for me. So that's kind of where I'm headed. Um, and I'm excited to, I look at what I'm doing as like uh, a self-development and message amplification platform. So I'm not, I'm not the Coleman Hughes or Sam Harris guy coming up with like all these unique perspectives and I'm like super smart and I have something interesting to say about everything. I just want to be the guy who's asking the good questions, who's getting the person to talk about the thing in a way that will interest people who might not be interested in it otherwise. Right. So yeah, that's, that's how I see it. Well, I think that is a heroic endeavor, honestly. I mean, you know, think about a conversation, like how long do you think your conversation will be with Stanton Peel, for instance? 90 minutes. All right. So you certainly couldn't read his book in 90 minutes, right? Most people, right. um, for the, all the people that would not read his book, that they might stumble upon your podcast or now even maybe an animation short to start and then they get to the podcast. You know, if they can glean kind of the ideas of this person through this right. experience, then, and not have to read the book because they weren't going to be the book reader anyway. Right. And think yep. about what you've exposed them to and the potential it might have, the impact it might have on their lives and the people around them, you know, it's exponential. I appreciate that sort of perspective. That's exactly kind of where my head is at. Like I just, uh, yeah. you know, there's, I feel like there's a, not to judge or segment people, but the reality is, is that there's certain people who are thought leaders in these topics who are really difficult to access for people who don't have, you know, like me, I have a four year uh, liberal arts degree. I'm not someone who's going to really I'm like the typical person who's not going to understand all of the minute details of the research. You know, like COVID is a great example. Like yeah. I've completely given up looking into this stuff and I've outsourced, I've relied completely pretty much on Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying to give me the information that I need to do the research for me in a way and yeah. for me to make my own decision based on what they're saying. Yeah. So I feel like there, there's these two levels of operation of like specialization and no understanding at all. And being a bridge between those two is, a, I feel, a valuable thing. Yeah, it's one thing to have doors to this information and in, in hallways that lead to it. It's another to see the door at all. So right, that's exactly. another way to look at it. You're like, exactly. here's a door. Uh, all you got to do is kind of open it and peek inside and look what you have access to now. Yeah, that's I love that analogy, dude. I'm gonna definitely steal that from you. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll make copyright sure that credit. You, yeah. you saw it here. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> I love that. There you go. The brainchild. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll look look to that. And uh, you know, if you have any that you, we can link to that first one kind of in the show on this one. Yeah, yeah, whatever, man, or just the YouTube channel in general. Yeah. I mean, um, that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm focusing my effort is uh, trying to build that platform in the anticipation of having more of these animation videos going out. I, as soon as I uh, get more free time here, I'm going to be turning to the uh, nuclear weapons topic, actually. And I had a conversation with Lisa Perry recently. Um, well, actually, back in March that I just put out. Um, and so the plan is to start there and to break that 
very dense um, and difficult thing. Like people don't like thinking about nuclear war. So nuclear weapons, it's not, you know, the post-Cold War generations don't give a crap. They don't, you know, it's not something we think about ever, but it's extremely important. It's extremely important. And so that's where I'm going to start, I guess. I guess outgrowing addiction was really the start, but yeah, we'll see where it goes, man. But I appreciate your perspective on that. That's very valuable. Yeah, I think I saw something about China building new silos right now. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't see that. Yeah, it was. I think it was Tim Pool um, had posted about it. So, yeah. So that's the that's the that's the sticky situation, man. Is the yeah. game the game theory of the Cold War doesn't hold anymore? You know, and that's I no. I don't think enough people realize that that creates a very unstable environment. And whenever you have neighboring countries like India and Pakistan, both armed with nuclear weapons who are, you know, I don't, I, I just, it's, that won't be good for anyone on the planet if they were to enter a nuclear war that that would affect every person on the planet. And we should, we should be thinking about this in some way, you know, whether it's just educating ourselves so that we, I don't even know. That's the that's the next hard thing is like, how do you take the education and even do anything with it to to make a change? But I think it starts there at least, right? Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Like the I don't know. Is a gar- is the Guardian a? Oh, it leans left. I guess I have the Ground News. Oh, uh, nice Chrome nice. extension. Oh, China, they have an extension. Nice. They do, and it tells you your news source the way it leans. Um, yeah, so China building more than 100 nuclear missile silos in desert. This is from July 1st. That's no bueno no. for any of us, dude. <laughs> That's, That's not, not good. good. Especially because they're not limited by the New START treaty limitations. You know, yeah. that's just Russia and the U.S. So I think China has like, what, a few hundred nukes. We, both the U.S. and Russia have something like 1,500 deployed. You know, they have no incentive to not build more until they get to that number. Hmm. And so it's just, yeah, it's no, no good. And that's Lisa Perry was like, all, all scientists think we would need is a hundred to go off at once to enter a, th- a nuclear winter. It's like, well, we've got many more than that. So yeah. we should, we should be talking about this. Alrighty. Well, we'll look for your, uh, <laughs> we'll look for your information on that for sure. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so nuclear holocaust aside we're politically <laughs> you know from the unity 2020 perspective how do you see all this shaking out 2024 or 2022 at least what do you think what's gonna happen trump gonna be reelected? is biden gonna make it is it gonna be kamala versus trump i mean biden's already said that he is the transition leader right and i guess um what did he say? What was the actual term? I forget what it actually was that he said, but it was basically, I'm the uh, transition guy, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, according to Crystal and Sager, two people I've relied on for any sort of understanding of world geopolitics is that the Biden administration is freaking out about Kamala Harris. So I've seen posts about knows? that. Yeah. Who knows, man? I feel... I feel like the thing that is likely to happen, if not in the next election, but definitely within our lifetimes, is we're going to get the capable Trump 
leader. We're going to get the guy who's actually smart, who's actually savvy, who uses the Trump playbook. And we're just going to, we're going to elect him willingly. You know, there's going to be, I just feel like the door has been opened for such a crazy thing unless, uh, unless people in general are able to come together in a meaningful way and come to some sort of shared sense of reality, which is why, you know, I was thinking before we got on, if we just gave every citizen in the US a steady, we turned off all mainstream media and just gave everybody a steady dose of breaking points with Crystal and Sager, we'd probably get out of this mess in five to 10 years, you know? It's, <laughs> seriously, true. like, yeah. I just, I, I fear for what, the door has been opened to with our inability to come to even a basic understanding of what is morally good and what is morally bad. You know, we can't even agree on the basics, let alone complex things. And that's, that's frightening to me. All right. So you think tune in to breaking points. What do you think? What do you think? I think, I mean, so far what it looks like is, um, you know, it's the Trump Kamala show. You know, and we're going to be right back where we were with Trump Biden, you know, and lesser of two evils talks. Um, we've heard some flickerings of what a potential unity 2024 could be like. It's not necessarily a dead thing. OK, you know? I'm glad you brought that up because I've been I was actually wondering, like Brett, this whole ivermectin thing for Brett seems like the unity sequel, like, yeah, Empire Strikes Back kind of vibe. And I was just wondering yeah. if his head is even in, in the game for 2024. It's a good question. We you know, there's some things we heard a lot. Most of it we can't share. But basically, that's it's it's um, wait for the right moment sort of thing. Um, OK you know, that there were some people potentially on board that would make an impact, but you know, it would have to wait for the right time, the right moment for maybe the two parties to slip up a little bit in a major way, something like that, you know, but wait for disaster. Maybe. And then we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it could be some combination again with the um, libertarian and green parties a little bit, mm. try to try to wield that collective power a little earlier in the game sort of deal dude if someone just put justin amash and tulsi gabbard on a ticket it would be game over they there's would, there's I a mean, ticket absolutely yeah, yeah that would be game over i would vote for them in a heartbeat i voted oh, for tulsi. Instantly. i wrote in tulsi on the last one yeah yeah nice yeah yeah i would uh i would uh register all of my dead relatives and vote <laughs> in their in their name <laughs> You can't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? I meant to think that. <laughs> That's not possible. It doesn't happen. Yeah. I've been practicing a lot of weird things since we last talked. Yeah. Unity <laughs> Now team, we're going to set up that Odyssey account really soon. Yeah. YouTube's going to ban this. We already think we're shadow banned, so we're going to oh, be really? outright banned. Dude, yeah. you should transfer to Odyssey. I, I did it. I, all my stuff is backed up on Odyssey. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen a different kind of subscriber count or, uh, or what Not are you seeing there? Nothing. I haven't, really? uh, marketed anything. I haven't, okay. um, I haven't provided any links to it. I haven't made an announcement that I'm on it. I haven't, you know, commented on videos. I haven't interacted on it at all. I was just kind of like, well, let me just do this. You know, if there's going to be a mad rush over here, then I'll have my stuff already here. Hmm. And it was really easy. It was really easy. I mean, if you, they have some limitations on what can be moved over, but if you reach out to their customer service, 
they'll they you know you're supposed to only be able to move all of your videos over if you have like a thousand subscribers mm. but i was just like i made played my case directly to customer service and they're like okay we'll move your stuff and they moved everything so yeah we would argue that we might have a thousand subscribers if we weren't talking about what we talk about <laughs> yeah you know it, it just it seems to we get a lot of views most of them are non-subscribers um but nobody subscribes and then we actually kind of trickle a little lower most of the time you know it's weird so you might be man i mean i wouldn't i would not be surprised in the least if you guys were yeah. shadow banned or yeah. we aren't just very good at it and you're gonna save the day with this brilliant episode <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no you guys are doing great man i've always you know i have fallen off watching recently just because of this life circumstances yeah, too much going on yeah yeah been uh falling behind my podcast listening in general um but Me too yeah i uh I did tune into the book episode and I thought that was awesome. A fun thing to explore. And I don't know if there's ways to get, you know, the audience people involved in something like that, but uh, I I'm glad to see that you guys are still doing it. You know, it makes me very happy to know that that core team is still there um, and plugging away at it, man, for sure. I'm rooting for you guys. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, obviously you had a huge part in building, where we got to and so the team i'm sure many thanks i can provide from them you know we all love you and miss you um and then you know kimberly's still the backbone of the whole deal she keeps us together keeps us organized and whips us into shape weekly right and uh salute sarge (laughs) todd neeson there on the sound uh still producing probably some of the best quality sound on 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 internet podcast today and (laughs) yeah and then uh yeah, yeah, Seth Gabe, and Wes so, so. and Gabe killing it on his episodes. Um, he's trickled it down from five hours down to about two. On his... <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll laugh at that. I joke with yeah, him all the time about sure. the length of his episodes. Although we are going pretty long here. Yeah, we're um, all right. but um, yeah, yeah, we we have a so we opened up the Discord channel to make it a, a community style. Um, so for those of you watching, you can click the link below and get into Discord. Don't have anybody there yet, but we hope to soon. Yeah. And Patreon coming soon, probably. So, yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. You guys should definitely, if you looked into Odyssey at all, I mean, it's a very interesting platform. Yeah. I went ahead and set up my account and uh, just kind of watched the Brett Weinstein stuff because they had moved it there, at least temporarily. And then um, we didn't get to have a meeting today because everybody was still kind of off, but um, we broached the topic. So it's, I don't know if anybody's going to vote no. So we're probably going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. It's yeah. free and easy, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting that it's, it's run on blockchain, you know, it's a blockchain technology and you can, I don't know. It, there's basically like a, what is it called? A super chat or donate feature directly built into it where you get credits, you get crypto credits of some sort. I forget the actual cryptocurrency they use. Um, And then you can in turn use those to boost your posts. So you Mm -hmm. can just like flip that back in. Um, Unfortunately, I would have already tried the boost, the post boosting, but you're not able to buy credits in US currency currently. So you can only accept, accept donations. But yeah, we should provide maybe a little context here, especially with the shirt yeah. you're wearing, right? So yeah. 
uh, Odyssey is a different sort of platform, kind of like YouTube. I think it's only a website right now, right? Not an application. An no, there's app an app. Or, there's an app. There there's is an, an app. app. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I need to get the app. I hate. Yeah. I'm so like lazy now. You know, it's like typing in whatever.com versus clicking that button on an app. You know. Me too. I need it. I don't. I don't want to go to a website. So that's great. Yeah. I'll get the app. And so we're all stumbling upon it because of Brett Weinstein and being censored on YouTube for a lot of his ivermectin and COVID vaccine mm -hmm. talk, right? Yep, yep. And he uh, made these wonderful shirts. I'm not a huge fan of the design, but knowing that they lost their uh, YouTube ad revenue, that's yep. a, such a slap in the face. I was like, take my money, Brett. You're doing excellent work. You do not deserve to lose all of that income. You are doing a public service, sir. I salute you. Hope you see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Kimberly said, yeah, like I told you, she got her shirt yesterday, so. Yeah, it's a shame, man. It's uh, It's been the only story I've really been paying attention to in the, yeah. the public sphere is what's going on with Brett and uh, tech censorship. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully podcasts like yours, um, and maybe ours will be available. And so you can keep opening those doors and shedding light on topics like you're doing, which is again, heroic work. So kudos there and likewise keep it going. Um, I think we'll probably call it a night if you don't. Yeah, that's good. I'm hungry. No. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Uh, what, 4.30 out there? 4.30, yeah. We have yep. more moving stuff to do, so. All right. Yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and end it there. We'll link, of course, to Mr. Eric White's show in the description below and wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, put your, you're on Twitter still, right? So Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm a quiet observer of Twitter. Yeah. Got to get part. your uh, your Gitter feed so we can put her on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well. Yeah, thanks again for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Um, always love chatting with you. Miss the crew. And you know, who knows what will happen in the next few months. Maybe you'll be in touch and work more. Sounds good. Great to see you. Great to talk to you. Have a great night, man. You too, dude.